Ensign Maidon's log, stardate 42506.5. Today is my first day on the Enterprise, and I am going to impress them with my forthrightness and superior research skills. As they say on Benzar, always say what's on your mind immediately, but make sure you've done your analysis properly, otherwise you're breaching protocol. Oh, yes, that old saying. Welcome to Reengage, the <laughs> weekly podcast where we watch and discuss episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Our cultural bridge officers dissect each episode, as well as the pop culture and world events that took place when it first aired. We're a bunch of Gen X adults returning to the series we loved as kids to see how it holds up. So chow down on some gach and let's re-engage. Welcome once again to re-engage <laughs> and a matter of honor. So excited to have my cultural bridge officers with me here, starting with Mr. Greg Tito. How are you, my friend? I am doing good. I am excited to talk about this episode because it there's so many dramatic moments with large stingers and close-ups. Uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful piece of television. It is indeed. Jimmy G, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm always excited when the warrior poets show up. Ah, yes, I thought of you. And uh, Eric Gratton, how are you doing, my friend? I am great, and nobody likes comedy like the Klingons like comedy. (laughs) So I'm into this as well. That is so, so true. Uh, And before we get into the comedy that is uh, Klingon stand-up, let's talk a little bit about the episode and what surrounded it. Again, star date 42506.5, an air date of February 6th, 1989. Greg, tell us what was happening in the world. Well, the most important event on that date, personally, it's the 12th birthday of my wife, uh, February 6th, 1989. Aaron, uh, yeah, I know, right? Crazy, Aaron. Aaron. Uh, I was going to say Tito, but it would be Aaron Logeman at that situation. <laughs> February fifth uh, was a big of a date because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar became the first NBA player to score thirty-eight thousand points uh, in Oof. his career, and I believe he still is the career points leader uh, of the NBA. Uh, but that didn't happen until uh, that date. Pretty crazy. Uh, the day after this episode's airs, well, anybody have any memories of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Oh, absolutely. Those teams with him and Worthy and Magic. Oh, definitely. Growing up, those those were the ones to watch because my those are the ones my mom would root for. Uh, my dad would root for whoever had the most KU fan or KU players, but uh, my mom really liked uh, James Worthy in particular, and I, I grew up kind of rooting for those. My biggest memory of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is uh, his appearance in the Bruce Lee movie. Mm. Oh, hell yeah. Where he's just sitting in the rocking chair. Like, nothing's going on. And when Bruce Lee comes, the leg comes out of nowhere, like, stretches across the room and just knocks Bruce Lee back. <laughs> Amazing. It's one of the classic ones, right? It, it amazes me that more directors don't cast opposite body types in fights. It just opens yeah. up so many fun opportunities. Also, Chuck Norris was in that. <laughs> yep. Got his butt kicked. <laughs> <laughs> he was also very, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was also very, very funny in Airplane. And, Correct. Uh, that's, that's, you know, high praise for, for someone. Oh, he's a genius. Like he's, he's been a journalist for, you know, 50 years now too. Like when he was an active player, he was a, a published journalist at the same time. And, and he's, he's a, just a really fucking cool dude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then another weird cultural thing, uh, February 8th, a couple days after this, Two and a half inches of snow falls in the outskirts of Los Angeles. And it is amazing to go and read the the article from the Los Angeles Times that morning. And people, Los Angelinos, just not being able to handle two and a half inches of snow. (laughs) Lost their damn minds. Right. There's just some amazing quotes in here. It was was, uh, like looking at the the Grenada Hills. They're like, it was all black and ugly and horrible. And now it's all white and glistening and beautiful. (laughs) The guy, there was a guy who was scraping ice off his windshield, and he's like, I don't even know how to do this. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's, it's hilariously uh, funny uh, to see that, uh, you know, as, an, as an, uh, you know, reaffirms my love of being a Northeasterner. <laughs> Keep that. it. <laughs> but what was going on in, in the music world? Ah, I'm so glad. In pop culture land, uh, Paula Abdul shot 
up to the top of the charts with Straight Up Now Tell Me Do You Really Wanna Love Me Forever? Oh, oh, oh. Or am I caught in a hit and run? I loved that video so hard. Uh, there was a very cute boy in that video, <laughs> as I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. uh, I watched that video a lot. Was it Keanu? Uh, no, Keanu was in Rush. Mm, that's Rush, right. Rush. Yeah. Right, with the the racing, the drag racing. Yes, yes. a little bit of uh, uh, Rebel With No Cause. Right? I, yeah. I remember that. But man, I still say straight up now tell me, is it going to be you and me forever? When I'm like, just talk to me honestly. Straight up now tell me. And I'll do the first <laughs> of the lyrics all the time and no one laughs. Uh, so I thank Paul Abdul for that. I absolutely best- will laugh next time. <laughs> thank you for laughing. Thank you for clapping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It also has like the best lyric ever, which is a ba 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 ba. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Uh, on the big screen, Three Fugitives was number one at the box office. Nick Nolte and Martin Short uh, and a small child uh, on the run, I believe. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, it was, uh, if I remember correctly, it was Martin Short's kid needed medical attention or mm. like services and so uh, did a robbery and ran into Nick Nolte, who was an ex-con. If I, am I, Eric is nodding his head. I know things. I know All things. of that is correct. <laughs> yes. There's there's hijinks galore. Oh, there has to be hijinks. I'm sure. I'm sure. A lot of what we were talking about early, opposite body types. I the poster I I was reminded is a picture of Nolte holding Martin Short in his arms, who is holding the little girl um, up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole movie. <laughs> right there. Done and done. Got it. Got it. Uh, this episode had a story by Wanda M. Height and Gregory W. Amos and Burton Armus. And uh, Wanda and Gregory, um, this is their only credit uh, on IMDb. The only thing that I can find about them on the internet is that they uh, came up with the story for this along with Burton Armis. Uh, Burton Armis wrote the teleplay. He started his career as a NYPD detective and was hired to be the technical advisor on uh, the TV series NYPD and later went on to become the technical advisor for Kojak. Um, where he acted in several episodes and write, wrote nine of them, ended up retiring from being a detective, moved to L.A. and became a writer and producer. Uh, he wrote the teleplay for The Outrageous Okana, uh, oh. an episode that we have Ooh, uh, seen we like. and loved, uh, and was a producer on the first 13 episodes of the second season of Next Generation. And is it true that the oil slick that killed Tasha Yar is named after Armas? Oh, I don't know. Jimmy's gonna have to look that up for next time. <laughs> <laughs> it's my head. I cannon. like that. <laughs> uh, this was pre- uh, directed by Rob Bowman, uh, who we know from many episodes, 13 episodes of Next Generation Total. Uh, and I have some production notes uh, on this. Uh, it had a 12.2 Nielsen rating which was the highest ratings that they had received up until that point, making mm. it one of the most watched episodes of the series at the time. So this was maybe a gateway episode for many people, or maybe a second chance episode for a lot of people. Uh, and it was nominated f- for an Emmy for Outstanding Achievement for Makeup in a Series. Yes, yes. Uh, Eric, tell us a little bit about the guest stars of Note, one of whom we've seen before in a very similar way. Well, we sure have. I figure, they figured, (laughs) what do we have and what do we need? And what we need is an officious kind of alien character. Oh my goodness, we've had one of those. Can it be the same character? No. Have we seen any other alien member of that race? No. Can they all look exactly alike? Yes. Here we go. We don't have to fit anyone for any new prosthetics. Let's bring him back since he is awesome. We are, of course talking about our good friend John Putch, playing this time Mendon or Menden, depending on who is pronouncing it during the episode. <laughs> uh, we talked about him earlier. He grew up on stage at Totem Pole Playhouse. 
Uh, Gene Stapleton, better known as Edith Bunker, is his mom, and he is much more known as a director these days than uh, his really stellar acting career leading up to it. After that, of course, are you ready for Cargan, Captain? Young Christopher Collins, most known probably to our generation as the voice of Starscream, Cobra Commander, Gung-Ho, etc. In many of our favorite cartoons, most notably, as we were saying, Transformers and G.I. Joe. But the big story about him is that in season one, he was the voice of Mo Sislak and he was the voice of uh, Mr. Burns. Wow. And the thing is, according to uh, Hank Azaria, who says Matt Groening told him, this guy was a dick to <laughs> everyone. So yeah. they didn't ask him back. <laughs> they just gave his voices away to the other uh, members of the cast. Wow. I mean, dude could have had the longest career Mr. Ever. Burns right. and Moses Lack. Anyway, moving on. He also um, had just a stellar career all the way through. Stand up. Uh, you know, he won the San, uh, San Francisco World Stand Up Festival basically at the same time he was shooting this. A very aggressive stand up style. So I could possibly see him being alienating from time to time. Moving on, hmm. we get to the tactics officer at the mess hall, played by Peter Peros, who really had an incredible career. Uh, I mean, and still going. But uh, he is known. Um, for the haves and the have-nots, where he uh, portrays the judge on that and has done a couple, I don't know, a hundred and some episodes on that. He was also on uh, As the World Turns for nearly a decade at the beginning of this particular millennium. But we know him, of course, Jimmy, as the MP at the uh, the gate when they all get in to the Air Force Base in Real Genius, uh, which I'm sure you've seen a dozen times, as have I. Uh, not a lot of film stuff, but basically every TV show known to personhood since the facts of life. Knight Rider, he was a regular for a second. Um, he he was a regular on As the World Turns, as I had said. Got it. Uh, the really, acting really he does as that real genius guard, though, I'm thinking about. I'm like, I know exactly that performance. He does the like thing where he like moves with the the clipboard yeah, and waves yeah. him through really fast, and I'm like, yeah. yes, I know exactly. And there what we you're are. Talking about. Right. It's yeah. It's as soon as I saw as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I know what he looks like without his makeup. Yep. (laughs) So uh, other than that, of course, we need to go and talk a bit about uh, uh, Brian Thompson, uh, who played Clag, who has a storied, storied Star Trek career. This, of course, is uh, his first appearance in the Star Trek universe. Um, But they loved him so much uh, that they initially wanted to hire someone who was smaller. Uh, but they told him that, I guess. And he said, oh, please, 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 please. I promise it'll be worth it. They said, oh, okay. And they went ahead and, and did new uh, makeup for him and uh, ended up doing five auditions for the series and five roles he got every time he auditioned, nice. which is a nice feeling if you can get it, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, do you all remember this guy from the rest of his career? Like, I immediately X-Files comes to mind where he was the alien bounty hunter who kept showing up. Mm. Um, I also think, Jimmy, you and I have spoken of his performance in The Three Amigos, where he plays the biggest and muscliest of the German uh, thugs. Right. Das ist gut, yeah, as they're shooting the <laughs> guns into the air. Amazing. And uh, no discussion of him would be complete without talking about him as the big bad in Cobra, uh, the Sylvester Stallone oh, flick. Um right. Which was the same year he did Three Musket or Three Amigos. <laughs> I uh, I am forever in love with the career of Brian Thompson. Long may he reign. Which also brings us to, um, uh, what is her name? She's down there. Laura Drake, who played Vecma, also in the mess hall. Uh, is this the horny she, one? Yes, she was also in Cobra. So you have here, <laughs> of the three Klingons in that scene. Two of them appear in the <laughs> Sylvester Stallone flick, Cobra. That's my that's my buy of the week. Eric's buy of the week. Go out and check out Stallone's 1986 thriller masterpiece, Cobra. It doesn't have anything to do with Cobra Commander, though, which None. was disappointing for me. When also connected to this episode, I'm telling you. <laughs> Goes all the way to the top, man. <laughs> oh, and, and this just in. Just in. I looked it up. And indeed, 
Uh, Armis, the bad guy, was named after Burton Armis. Confirmed. Uh, from, uh, uh, memory Alpha. Thank uh, you for confirmation. That's what we want. <laughs> I love it when it's. A, we should look things up more often. No. <laughs> no. 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 You can't guarantee it would be as much fun as that. It's so much <laughs> exactly. more fun to remember it in real time with all of you. <laughs> Well, let's dive into the episode. We start with a teaser with Riker in control of the bridge, uh, and they are welcoming some new folks on board who have just been assigned to the Enterprise. Uh, immediately, we see, uh, I don't know why Wesley goes along, uh, other than that he's in charge of uh, the program, I guess, the exchange program. Um, but he's there to meet a fellow ensign who he thinks is his friend Mordok. No, no, it's Mendon from Benzar. Um, <laughs> right? I mean, we have this. We we are from the same geo structure. He says, and then and then Wesley says, "How do you tell each other apart?" And he says, "We just do. We just do." Why was that less clumsy than him just being the 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 guy that Wesley knew? I mean, I guess because we knew that he wouldn't have been through school yet, but why couldn't they just like, he was smart. They could have fast tracked him. Yeah. I, I guess maybe to give him the role of instant, uh, they had to, I don't know. It's super interesting that they chose to do it, I think. Um, but like watching it, this is the right reaction. <laughs> like this is the reaction of, and it's throughout, like the same thing happens when Worf talks to Riker, like, I'm not going to teach you about my people. You need to learn. Like, it, I don't know if that is on purpose, but right here, you know, you say, how do you tell each other apart? And like, I can see this being a deadpan. Like, I get this from you fucking humans all the time. Deep breath. We just do, you know? And and like, I I think it's neat to look at it as a through line in the episode because when, when Riker's like, well, I didn't know that. And Worf's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> You're gonna have a hard fucking time, man. <laughs> I like this. Uh, what do we think of this? Uh, besides the fact that he is a, a duplicate, uh, or or uh, that that he comes from the same geo structure as it was, uh, but we establish him very early on as sort of a, a kiss ass. Um, and we have that little exchange between him and Riker, and then we get a little Riker O'Brien, like this guy. That's my, that's my <laughs> that favorite moment much. of this is that, is that look that <laughs> kids, huh? That Riker gives to O'Brien. I love that O'Brien. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm glad they made him a different character for that reason. Cause mm. was it, I forget his, the original name, but the way the actor played it, it was great to see that he took the, Took them in two different directions, and the other one was not unlikable, but just not as adorable. And like, I really fell in love with the other character, and I wouldn't have liked to see that character do the things that this character did. Mm, That's a point. really good point. Yeah, uh, I saw a little chunk of an interview with that actor who says that he thought his first thought when they gave him the role was that they must have loved him so much until he got there and it was like, and the prosthetics already fit you. And he said it was a real <laughs> eye-opening moment as an actor to be like, all right, I fit the costume. Okay, that's I'll humbling. take it. <laughs> You're lucky last week we cut somebody's line so we have to pay him as much. <laughs> You're telepathic now, by the way. <laughs> So Riker gets called away to meet Picard at the phaser range, which is the height of technology, 1980s technology, wow. y'all. That was the coolest thing ever. I wanted to play laser tag every day after I saw this scene. Uh, yeah, no, that was, it was super cool. It was, it was laser porn, though, like, right? I mean, it was <laughs> just there so you could see the laser shooting, but I loved every second of it. Yeah, it's by far my favorite scene in the entire series so far. <laughs> like the, <laughs> the the laser range is awesome. Like for the world building of it, for the moment of realization for me, like of course there must be a phaser range. Like, but then wouldn't right. the holodeck work for that? And then wait, how many holodecks are there? And I'm like, if there's only one holodeck, then you need to have a separate one dedicated just for phaser range shit, right? right? And then I'm looking at it and I'm like, but then it's not the phaser range. 
but then you can use phaser range still to imply that room like we do with the toilet in the United States. We don't say toilet, we say bathroom, even if there's no bath. And now all of that is canon. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you to say phaser range one more time. Phaser <laughs> Oh, range. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I love this scene for multiple reasons. First of all, Jimmy, you're right. There's even a money shot right at the end where they do the laser towards the camera and just like right above the camera point right. of view. Very subtle. Um, it reminded me of the black hole. Do you remember that scene where the robots all go to phaser practice? Oh, Sorry. that's all right. It's great. They it's the same there. scene. <laughs> but I also love the scene that they're having, which is very much verbal tennis. Like there is this play, like they're playing a game very jovially with each other, sort of like, oh, well, we are looking for people to do this thing. Oh, well, I might be interested. Oh, what? I couldn't hear you. You might be interested. Like just this little quitty repartee back and forth. And I like that it only can happen when they're, you know, playing a game together, right? Like they're shooting hoops, they're, you know, it's, uh, you know, fencing or something like that. It's like an activity that is very much like a camaraderie moment of like, all right, well, we got to get our training hours in. Let's do it together. And then, you know, that's where opportunities happen. Yes. Yes. Well, and that's the the definition of like nepotism and shit like it's a right. great it's a great wonderful <laughs> this is how jobs are gotten so why not show them give jobs this way which of course Riker is into because it's never been done before mm. yes <laughs> which is the same reason billionaires keep going to space because no one's done it but oh oh, oh shit oh except shit except for that yeah. one. Oh, and then that <laughs> other other guy oh crap did you see the Oscar Mayer Wiener tweet? Uh, laughed so much. They were like, next time you want to ride a, le a Wiener to space, let us know. Oh, amazing. Yeah, the footage on all of the CNN stuff looked like some invisible person was using a shake weight, and it was incredible. <laughs> well, we find uh, Worf and Riker uh, doing a nice walk and talk where um, we, we learn... Um, information that feels important mainly that it's uh the job of the first in command or the the second in command to kill the captain if they become weak or unable to lead and uh, this which... is great because this is a setup that doesn't feel like a setup right like you're, you're like okay he's getting the the information he needs from the wharf of course that'd be the one source of information he would try to get it from um, and it feels very much like, okay, what am I going to be walking into fish out of yeah. water story? And let's get that all out of the way. But it very clearly, this the, this aspect is exactly what ends up being so important later on. Um, and watching it, you don't necessarily realize that. You would honestly right. be like, oh, this is just an example of how crazy how these crazy Klingons are and how different they are from us. Uh, and this also just has another great uh, one-liner. A lot of things will be different. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's that's one of my favorite lines ever like yeah. you know he says that and it's just it's you're not ready you shouldn't be going good luck <laughs> you know yeah. i'm not offering any more fucking help i'm not saying all of the other ways you could die over there not my job enjoy yourself <laughs> except i'm going to devise a way to pull you out if you get into but that's trouble. later that's later that's buddies <laughs> no isn't it right there that scene no no uh -huh. that, that, it, there's a scene in between scene. Yeah, uh, speaking, I thought that was important. Like, I, I love that this is it. And then later on, it's like, OK, OK, if you get in really big trouble, <laughs> you right. know, uh, back on the bridge, uh, Instant Mendon is uh, I, I swear, trying to out Wesley Wesley. Like, you know, it's bad when even Wesley Crusher has a look like, fuck this guy, because he <laughs> just comes on board and just starts like takes sort of ownership of the bridge has all of the things that will make everything more efficient that axel f soundtrack that's playing in the background <laughs> as he's judging everyone is my favorite also he's just like mm, mm, oh yes oh sorry i didn't mean to offend but i was correct in what i said and then they right. do that weird stare down the him and the extra who is working the console they just do that yeah. weird stare down <laughs> on each other and it's so the the um uh physical uh, uh, manifestation of that awkwardness is so fun to watch. Yeah, I feel I like think the he background must give off vibes like like Harold from the Stand. 
Like the moment someone feels him standing next to them, it's like, ah, <laughs> this guy is weird. Uh, I was going to say that I feel like the the secondary characters or the background characters got to have a lot of fun in this episode because there are a lot of takes and a lot of extra. There's uh, a little bit later on in a, in in one of the scenes where he's like, oh, no big deal. I already knew that this was happening. The guy next to him looks at him. Like, you are in so much trouble, you motherfucker. Uh, and I yes. just love it when background characters get to have, like, little lives of their own. Agreed. And we'll we'll learn a little bit more once we get on, uh, uh, of lives of their own once we get on the uh, Klingon ship. And they are hilarious. They are. Uh, we see Riker preparing by eating a lot of Klingon food. And mm. Pulaski is there, I think, just to be properly disgusted. Like, that's just her only job to be there is t- dismay. Uh, and we find out that uh, Picard is a little bit jealous, maybe, that uh, that Riker is going to get to go have this adventure. What do you think of him eating with just that a plum just... All of those props, and he's he's do, kind of doing a Denethor from Return of the King, where he's like eating grossly on purpose uh, to prove a point, uh, you know, and masticating, and it's like, oh, here's Gog, uh, and it's uh, it's wonderful. And then there's just that that great moment where Picard sits down, and then here's more food that's coming that's just as equally disgusting, uh, and is uh, wonderful. I, I I I dig this a lot, and it's got that setup payoff thing again uh, later, which yeah. uh, we'll get to. So uh, off they go. Um, but before that, Worf does give Riker sort of an emergency uh, little clicker. Uh, if you click this, as long as you are within 40 clicks, we'll say, uh, 40,000 clicks, you'll, we'll be able to find you. Um, which feels important and then is important. Uh, we <laughs> right. get to, uh, we go back on the bridge and we learn a little bit of the captain of the Bach, uh, who is just a real charmer. Uh, and immediately uh, just sets up sort of that that posturing. Uh, Picard says, you're getting a great officer. And he says, well, I'll be the judge of that. Thank you for your opinion. Yes, thank you for your opinion. Ooh. So nice. Uh, we see Mendon make a comment and he gets schooled by Worf. Um, and so then when he notices something strange about the Klingon ship, uh, he chooses to say nothing. I I got this moment of like, oh, is he a bad guy? Because like, definitely the way that he zeroes in on that area is really specific. The suspenseful music doesn't really help, right? No, because you're, you're like, wait, you're like supposed to wonder what it is on that thing. But it, you're right. I didn't think of that till now, but. You could interpret that as strange, but I was building off the last moment where he was like a little bit like, what's my place mm-hmm. here? What am I yeah. going to do? And I've totally sure. been that person who has been admonished. And then you're like, no, head down. I don't care. I don't see nothing. I'm just going to do my job. And honestly, all he did to start getting that shit was like he said, Captain Picard, I am blah, blah, blah. And immediately but before he had gotten like obsequious, the looks that he was getting from Captain Picard, I'm like, Jean-Luc, he's the new kid. Be a little easy on him. You know? So I'd, I'd have kept my head straight down, too. I wouldn't have said shit till I knew it was something to say shit about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah basically, he tries to talk to Picard. Picard says, "You, there's proper, proper, you know, format. You have to make that... And he says, I just wanted to impress upon you. And he says, well, you're going to have to talk to Worf, who then comes over and says the great... You'll have to impress me, which right. <laughs> I just think is so such a good. But before that, Picard has a really great line uh, that goes back to more of a Picard thing where he says, no, it's our fault. Yes. We should have impressed upon you these rules. Yes. <laughs> like, indoctrination. Yes. The indoctrination. The indoctrination. Which I thought was a curious choice of words. <laughs> yikes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a very yikes moment. So we get Riker on board the vessel after O'Brien gives him the cheery, if I were you, I'd be paranoid and afraid. Bye! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Irish humor. (laughs) uh, But Riker just look at him like, no, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Why should I be afraid? But now I am. Because you are. Too dumb to be afraid, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I kind of wrote that down at some point. I'm like, like, 
it's weird that they choose the guy who wants to go <laughs> in quite the way he wants to go. But also, like, I, this level of enthusiasm, he won me over when he was eating. I'm like, you certainly want that level of enthusiasm with, with the cultural aspect of you it. You don't want to send Pulaski. No. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you don't want to send Riker, do you? <laughs> like, because it's never been done, that's not the diplomat I'm sending, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we are. We find on board the Klingon ship. It is very dark and very red, uh, as Klingon ships are always wont to be. Uh, and I like that. Immediately, the captain of the Bach is like, "Are you ready to die for me? <laughs> Where are your loyalties? Like, there's, there's no pleasantries, no sort of, uh, you know, pussyfooting around what we're gonna say. It's just, I would like you to die. Will that be cool with you? Let's test this immediately." I like he says, will you take an oath? And Riker says, I just did. So good. So good, right? The second officer, uh, Clang, is not having it. Um, uh, and so he, Riker beats the shit out of him. And I want to talk about this fight, this close quartered fight, uh, yeah. which I read in the production notes they had to alter because it was even more uh, of a fight before. Um, they were very excited about this episode, apparently. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't read about the fight at all, but I loved watching it. And, and a lot of it's for that reason. Like they clearly had to be creative because there wasn't a whole lot of room. Yeah. And there are a couple ways to do that. You can either really dumb it down or you can do a, a bunch of big kind of showy moves that don't take up a lot of room with, with good actors. And that's what they did. And it was super cool. Smashed a console and everything. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, but they yeah. also, like, in, in close quarters, there are ways to flip through the air relatively safely, and it looks badass, and it looks difficult, and it isn't, if you know what you're doing. And, and like, that particular uh, moment where Riker grabs Clagg's head and, and, and goes down and flips him flips over him. Uh, his back and then ends up, like, kind of with the head and torso cradled where he can punch or choke... Like it's such a protected move uh, with between the two fighters. It's it's a really neat one to do because if you have like any wrestling experience or or tumbling experience, it can transfer directly into this move. But it it is the kind of thing that ninety nine percent of the people in the world have never tried. Mm. So like when they see it, it looks so impressive. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So in a close quarters thing like this, it's the perfect move to pull out. It was so neat. I think this is my favorite fight so far. Me too. It means the most too. Like I feel like it also like it's very a quick way. Riker knew exactly what he was going to do, even though uh, uh, he, he after that conversation with Worf, he knew he had to assert himself and and did it perfectly. And then he wins a lot of friends by doing it. Well, and this this was uh, the beginning of kind of a lot of close quarters combat in, in American TV and film. Like this was the same year as as Lethal Weapon, which kind of very famously on the the, the Gary Gary Busey uh, Mel Gibson fight on the lawn used a, a, um, a martial art that I think I've talked about before on here called uh, Jailhouse Rock, which was developed in American jails and designed specifically for close quarters and the use of uh, non-movable furniture. <laughs> and like, it's perfect for something like a starship fight, you know? So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it catching on and the rest of Hollywood uh, trickled down to Star Trek already. <laughs> well, back on board uh, the Enterprise, we've discovered that there is a bacteria that uh, has attacked the ship and it is capable of doubling every 15 minutes. And this is where Mendon is like, oh yeah, I totally noticed that, but I didn't say anything because I, I hadn't analyzed it yet. That was his error. You should, if you're keeping your head down like you decided to earlier, you should have just kept your head down. Yeah. <laughs> just have like never no told one would have known. <laughs> I like how he's like, I was following proper Benzite regulation, and they're like, bitch, you're on the Enterprise now. Like <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's on, he's on the edge of being insupported in his tone where he's like, I was only following proper procedures. There's like yeah. a little bit of... Uh, and you're like, no, 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 no. You're no. not impressing Worf. Yeah. 
Worf essentially like threatens to beat him up like, yeah. at the end of that scene. Like, we're gonna re-educate you, I think is essentially what he says. <laughs> the indoctrination has not taken hold. <laughs> Uh, speaking of indoctrination, Riker uh, is back on board uh, the Klingon ship and is impressed with the single-mindedness of the Klingons. And uh, and we see them feasting. Um, and uh, we see some lady Klingons. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There's trouble there. Uh, but I like that Riker gets Rikered. If, uh, if Wesley gets Wesleyed in this episode, Riker gets Rikered a little bit with... Um, oh, shoot. What was her name? Eric. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, Vecma. Vecma. Uh, who says he is not very attractive, but I will have him. Yes. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> is she serious? Yes. 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 <laughs> well, he has this great. So they, they get they razz him, you know, oh, is this food too much for you? Would you like to be breastfed? Uh, <laughs> which is the funniest thing that has ever been said ever right. uh, yeah. based on their reaction <laughs> yes it's an easy room they have a particular sense of humor it is a very easy room great you are absolutely <laughs> new material kills there <laughs> especially if it has to do with boobs and or doing it and Riker yeah. is absolutely working on his tight seven minutes uh you know stand-up <laughs> gig because he comes back you know like the one the one lady Klingon wants to take him to a te- on a test drive Basically, and then he's like, one or both, and that is oh no, 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 no he did <laughs> Oh man, and it's good. It actually is funny, and I like that the the conversation is like I didn't realize that there was a sense of humor that Klingons had. You know, Worf is not like that. Anybody, uh, you know, who else uh, has encountered him on, in the movies previously on, the, on a fan level hasn't really seen Klingons being funny before. And so I love that 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 moment where you get to see the mess all here. And it's yeah. a perfect setup after all the food uh, uh, scene that we saw earlier. And it's a great sort of uh, I, I, I read something where what they were trying to say with this episode is that idea of the fish out of water and what happens when. You know, what does it mean that Worf is the only Klingon on board the Enterprise? Well, what if we told this story from the opposite point of view? What would it be like if Riker was the only? And what can we learn when we actually engage one-on-one? And they they pointed to, to this scene and that line in particular of being sort of the whole point of this of the uh, episode, which was, I we didn't realize you were funny. Well, I didn't realize you were funny. Oh, shit. Right. It's that really genuine moment. Well, and that's because almost every interaction Riker's had with the characters uh, on the Enterprise up to this point had been like, they are so different from us. We have so right. much to learn from them. They are, you know, aliens and even Worf himself is like, you've got a lot to learn about what you're going to have. And this is the first moment that he's like, oh, wait, we do have common ground. Right. A, I like girls hitting on me. And B, they're all so funny. Right. Right. And as long as I kick your ass once a week or so, we can all get along. They're a little they're a little weirded out by they even say like your your emotions because he's like, You haven't seen your dad? What about your dad? Think about your dad. And they're like, Yeah. <laughs> we don't have the same kind of emotional connections. And it is it, a bit much though when Clay got out of his chair. Oh and no, about he his dad. does a it full was... on downstage right cross. <laughs> it was uh I remember it, it made me think of like seventh grade acting <laughs> when you have little scenes and the person would do a dramatic thing and they would they would pretend like they could see whatever they were talking about and, mm. uh, as if maybe they could touch it. <laughs> I hate to tell you that shit happens on at, Broadway. I was about to say that's acting so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seventh grade I don't know man that's all the time. I just did that last week. Acting. <laughs> Um, and I like that they're like, your emotions are weird and we can't change. And then he says, yesterday, I didn't know how to eat. <laughs> and it takes a big hearty bite, uh, which is nice because it sort of sets up that next scene that we're going to see between Clagg and uh, and the captain. And Yeah. I also like that there's a bit of a callback to the to the time when Riker had to try to eat the alien moving worms yeah. from uh, 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 that episode in season one. Yeah. thousand percent and i gotta say the line 
Gach is always best when served live. Uh, and and delivered in that exact way has stuck with me for 30 years. Like I said it along with the dude while I watched it. I'm oh, just wow. like that scene was so memorable to me when I was out of 13, whatever. It's great. I love it. Uh, back on the Enterprise, we've discovered that the bacteria uh, is is rotting holes, and they, they do some quick math and realize there must be a big hole uh, in the Klingon ship. So uh, off they go to find it. In the meantime, the Klingon ship has also detected the hole in the breach, and they're like, um... No big deal, but the Enterprise was the last ship we saw. And also, no big deal, but they looked at this area for like two minutes. So, mm, uh, which also Riker can't answer. I like that moment where he's like, I don't know why you would look at that area for two minutes. Why don't you ask them? Uh, I found it uh, very surprising how brand loyal the Klingons are because on all of their screens they have the gigantic Klingon symbol right in the middle. <laughs> Just to let you know, this is brought to you by Klingon Empire. I mean, I bet there are a lot of American flags on, <laughs> on, ships. on the U.S. ships. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they want to go to war with the Enterprise. None of this talking. Off we're going to go. Um, in the meantime, Wesley back on the Enterprise is like, Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, kid. Are you having a rough day? And just gives Mendon, you know, a little pep talk. And he's uh, he's like, you just made a little boo-boo. We all make boo-boos. It's fine. The captain understands. Uh, and I like that Mendon's like, I appreciate your kindness, but why? He just doesn't quite you. get the, the what of it all. And then Wesley gives the like the tagline for the commercial, which is, that's what the exchange program is about, basically. <laughs> <laughs> He's the facilitator of it. Oh, now it all makes sense. He's like, yeah, this is what this is what you learn by getting different protocols in your brain pan. <laughs> and without that kind of acceptance from Wesley, uh, Mendon would not have found the solution eventually. That's it's true because he del- he redoubles his efforts at that point. Yes. Redoubling is always, always the key <laughs> to finding a solution. Uh, back on the Klingon ship, uh, they're, they send Riker away for a hot second, and they're like, we got to surveil this guy. And Clagg comes to his defense and says, I don't, I don't think he, he knew. Uh, he may be a spy, but he is no coward, he mm. says. Um, Riker comes and he's like, hey, we should ask them what's going on. And they're like, burn them all to hell. And then um, the Enterprise comes and he's like, we should ask them what's happening. And they're like, burn them all to hell. Um, And then Riker says, don't be a fool. And the captain says, I am the boss. Um, This is roughly translated. This is not my exact. Paraphrasing. um, Yeah, paraphrasing. That's how I remember it. (laughs) Uh, But what of this moment where they want Riker to give the secrets of the Enterprise? This sort of test of loyalty. It's like the original series where they have the robot figure out two things at once. <laughs> you, you expect <laughs> to see a little smoke from the ears. They give him a lot of time to wonder whether he's going to do it or not. I like, he says, I will serve this ship, but I will not break my oath of loyalty to Starfleet. And that was apparently the right answer, right? Because the captain says, if you had given us those secrets, you would have been a traitor and I would have killed you where you stood. Now you get to die with us. So same end result, yeah. but once well, more honor. I guess. You're yeah. walking a fine line. This, this <laughs> moment felt like a video game dialogue tree to me, where it was like, if you choose the wrong thing, you know, <laughs> you're going to get executed and shut oh, up. Game sure. over. Oh, for sure. And where you have to be like, reset, 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 reset. It didn't count. It didn't count. It didn't count. (laughs) But he succeeds and uh, kind of outsmarts him too. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, you got to get within 40,000 kilometers. It's it's the key to the whole plan. What plan? Doesn't matter. 40,000 kilometers. Trust me. If, right. if we can do that, then I think we're I think we're all in good shape, don't you guys think? Yeah, and then I he gets so. out. He just kind of sort of casually gets out the clicker, like what this thing? Yeah, in my you booth this whole this time. This whole thing. <laughs> Super fun. It keeps me uh, active. I have ADD, so it's just yeah. a little clicker <laughs> that a, I use. It's a fidget every, spinner. Every ten thousand clicks, a little pez comes out. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, and they reach 40,000 leagues or whatever it is, uh, and away goes uh, <laughs> the, sea. the captain, and and Riker has the best fucking line, I'm your captain now. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Outsmarted uh, him. Outsmarted him. Absolutely. The guy goes, uh, the, the captain of the Klingon ship goes on the bridge, uh, tries to start some shit, but Worf stuns him down real fast um and then what what do we think of this really interesting i love this moment where Riker says they finally get Riker on the horn and he says i order the enterprise to surrender and what does picard do surrenders he's just big old smile i fucking love let's just dissect this for a hot second he gave it away i was really surprised that stewart decided to smile there rather than actually play along with it well i wonder if that's a director choice going i don't know if they'll get it <laughs> ah, yeah it could be they, they're not smart enough well yeah i think there, i think there's a lot of that with a lot of producers directors actors all of us like i think a lot of people uh do think that they're going to outsmart the audience and so they pull back it's it's interesting to watch in something like this but i agree that there's part of that uh, Riker gets uh, confronted back on the ship from the from the Klingon captain, uh, who who says return to your station, and Riker just stares him down, gets backhanded, get him off my oh. ship. So good, like every '80s like catchphrase is in this episode. I swear <laughs> to God, I'll be uh, back. And yep. then, uh, and then Clagg says, "You understand Klingons better than I thought," which I think is a really nice moment. Yes, also a little wink and a nudge. <laughs> uh, and then we, Picard, you know, says, "Maybe you should learn better when to duck." And and he says, "Ah, I learned when not to duck," which uh, again puts a little cherry on top of this uh, Sunday that we've been building for minutes now. In fact. The, Sunday is starting to melt, uh, but we got to put a few more cherries on that before we're able to eat it. Uh, and then, and then we have this nice little moment between uh, him and and Worf. Your little toy worked, which I thought was dismissive. That's fine. Um, and then he says to Worf, "I'm glad you're with us on the Enterprise." And Worf says, "Thank you and welcome home." Uh, which sort of goes back to the beginning where he hands him that little thing and, you yeah. know, are you getting sentimental? Never, never. Well, he has a moment of sentiment. All we were missing was the big wink at the end. <laughs> the half jump in the air. Yeah. <laughs> and we did it. And that is this episode. Um, talk to me about how, how we feel uh, when all is said and done. I know we have um, some lifelong memories in this episode for Eric, which is exciting. Uh, Eric, tell me tell me at the end of the day how where you rate this episode. I mean, I got to give it another. And I think we gave it a 10 last last season. There was one. I, I mean, I, I got to give it a 10 unidentified funguses. <laughs> Like, I love this episode from beginning to end. I, I think the fighting that's there is great. I think the comedy that's there is great. There's a lot of good physical work up and down. There's, uh, you know, some, some goofy shit here and there, but that's, that's the genre. That's, that's the, the, vo- the voice and the vibe of the show. So far, it, it moves a little bit further towards what we'd consider kind of a modern vibe later in the series. So, uh, yeah, 10 for me. I loved it. Awesome. Uh, a bold ten for Eric. Greg, what about you? I, I I'm I'm agree with Eric. I think this is a nine point seven five birds of prey cloaked and ready to attack. I love the, how this feels like an extension of uh, the storyline from the uh, episode in season one with the Klingons and how the just the set dressing of this bird of prey you know looks and feels like the Klingons from Star Trek. Three, Search for Spock. You know, I, I kind of had that John Larroquette, um, uh, Christopher Lloyd moment from from you know they, where you get to see some of the inner workings of the of the bridge crew of that ship uh, kind of coming into play here, where you see the politics and how it all works. And I love that world building moment. I love the phaser range. I just want to say the word phaser range again because I <laughs> also just really just dig it. And it is a very well constructed written episode with those like 
great setups and then they all pay off uh in in the second half of the episode and it's strong i love it it's deserving of of all of our praise ah jimmy g uh i loved it too uh i would give it a 10 uh i can't um i'm gonna have to give it eight missed musical number opportunities um, <laughs> because uh, there's such connoisseurs of comedy and yet when Clag was knocked over the railing, they didn't stop and go, Clag, 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 went the trolley, <laughs> ding, 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 with the bell. Uh, and because of that, I have to take away two. Fair. Two uh, musical opportunities from Reasonable. An eight. <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna give it 9.5 bowls of gah. <laughs> Um, mm. it's a, it's, it's just a really solid episode. I really, you're, uh, everything that has been said, uh, is right. Although now that I think about the missed musical opportunities, I am bitter in <laughs> retrospect. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's also just, uh, gives us Riker at his, at, at season two Rikerness, right? Like we get more of bearded Riker in this episode and it's, uh, he just does everything with such a plum and, and, joie de vie in this episode that it's it's really quite infectious that's a good um, regular episode yeah it really is yeah so that takes us to the end of this episode i can't believe it um i'm trying to remember what our next episode is measure of a man right oh my gosh how could i forget yet another just stellar fucking episode uh measure of a man so we hope that you join us uh for this time uh in the meantime my pants are wet. Your pants are wet. Let's all have wet pants. Clag's pants are wet. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining our cultural bridge officers for this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we are continuing the mission with another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. We want to hear from our listeners. If you've got questions or observations, hailing frequencies are open. You can email letsreengage at gmail.com or if you're more social media minded, follow Reengage on Instagram and Twitter at reengagetng to get updates on episode drops and all kinds of fun. Eric Grattan emails the best way to ask him a question. Follow Kate Yeager at Yeagerlicious on Twitter and Instagram. Jimmy G is Jimmy at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Greg Tito is Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Reengage is edited and mixed by Krista Curry, Christopher from Glee on Twitter, and Krista.curry on Instagram. Logo artwork by MojoJojo97 on Twitter, or you can find her at Mojo97.com. And our theme music is by the incomparable Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Stand by for Riker's Beard to reengage. engage <laughs> <laughs>